fellas. What's good? And DC, I'm over here uh, thinking about Vegas. Vegas on the mind. <laughs> That's what's up there, friends. Yeah, listen, my bag is all packed. I'm like the kid waiting to go to dad's house for the weekend. That's what I'm at. That's where I'm at right now. Hey, nothing wrong with that. I got my bags packed too, brother. Oh, look at you, A-Dub, all packed over there, man. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. I had no choice, man. All right, man. DC, what's the good word with you, my guy? Everything is is going great, man. I can't complain. All right. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. Well, audience, as always, this podcast is brought to you by Crave It. You can join us on our exclusive community at Chicago Versus. You can find that app on Apple and Android applications. So, fellas, let's just jump right to the chase here. This is what our listeners want to hear us talk about. So we're going to give our game one thoughts. So the White Sox, they just lost 6-1 to one against the Houston Astros. Anyone who listens to this show, you guys know how I feel about the Astros. You also know how I feel about Dusty Baker. Low-key, I don't really like him either. But, fellas, <laughs> <laughs> what were some of your initial thoughts of this game today? Because I would tell you, Lance Lynn got chased up out of there real quick. Yeah, my thoughts on the game, man, is uh, I knew it was going to be uh, sort of tough for Lynn. I know his last outing against Houston didn't go well, prayers. So I knew this time frame, you kind of wonder how it was going to come into this game, even though he had a good season. So, like you said, it didn't turn out very well. And then you add the fact that you all didn't hit enough today either. Well, so to that point with Lance Lynn, you're right. His track record against the Astros, not even just dating back to this game, but just over the course of his career, it's been a little shaky, dating back to Lance Lynn's days in, um, in, in the National League. Now, in today's game, I think what went against Lance Lynn was the fact that his location was off. He walked some guys. And that Houston Astros offense, some of those key guys, they got hot. And it just it just bolted for a disaster. And they, like I said, they got him out of there quick. Five runs, DC. I mean, that's that's everything I wanted not to happen in this game happened. Well, the good news is there's only one way to go up from here. So you know we got to take this particular L and tuck it away. Um, it can't it, it can't get any any worse. I mean, I personally feel like. If you're going to lose a game, you're gonna you might as well lose game one on the road. You know, you got two to get one. You got to steal one. So see, you know, just 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 take take a chance. See what works. See what doesn't what doesn't work. I'm pretty sure Tony Larusa has a has a a good game plan already ruined in his head for game two. And game two, we got Lucas Giolito going. And to that point, uh, DC, I think you're right. I mean, the game one, it was going to be tough. That Astros pitcher, he's lights out. I mean, he went six and two thirds today. We couldn't get anything going off that guy. And, and it was a surprise. He doesn't give up a lot of hits. They were even saying during the game, he's only given up 122 hits on the season. If you guys want to think about a whole 162 game season in, the, in, in Major League Baseball, this man only gave up 122 hits. Not a surprise that the uh, White Sox struggled offensively today. Yeah, man, you're right, Perez. Uh, McCullough, he was very solid today, man. And, uh, you know, he came to pitch, he came to play, and that was a big-time pitch game for him. So he kind of put out there six good innings. And, I mean, the key is in playoff baseball, as, and, and I talk about this so much, pitching is key. And you saw that La Russa had to go to that bullpen early. We, we went through a lot of arms. And then on, on the flip side of, of everything, we did get to see the Astros closer today. However, he was in an actual closing 
not actual closer situation, but he went in there to just make sure that the White Sox, who were making a little bit of a late rally there, kind of just kept him at bay. Yeah, he did. He, he came into this part. You know, um, there were enough pitches out there, though, but I'll give him that. But, man, I was also looking at you talking about the bullpen of the White Sox, though. Yeah, Lopez didn't, you know, you all threw off four, what, four pitches out there. Lopez didn't do quite good either as, as, as a relief pitcher. So he came in, gave up a run press, so that also hurts too, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, we we kind of went through some arms. Lopez, Ruiz went out yep. there. Crochet went out there. So, yeah, I mean, you're you're right. We we went through a lot of arms. However, to, to D.C.'s point, I look at this series as the long game. I think if we get game two, I think we'll be in a good spot. I just want to get back to the crib with this series tied up 1-1. Yeah, that's a good point you bring yeah. up there, Chris. Yeah, that's what I said. You know, two to two to take one. You know, you as long as you steal a game on the road, you come back with the momentum because, you know, the pressure is then on Houston to try to repeat this type of performance in Chicago, and I, I doubt that's going to happen. Yeah, good point there, DC. I think, yeah, you're right, Perez. Split, go through a split. You guys in good shape there. But I think the key really for you all to get some runs as well. Because I think you all got about seven hits today, but got to get some runs, you know? That's going to be a key factor. Well, I want to piggyback on something that DC said a little earlier. He talked about the pressure being on the Astros. Now, however, the Astros did what they had to do today. But at the end of the day, the White Sox could be a very pesky team in this series, in my opinion. And we got nothing to lose. Everything in the game. So the Astros... Y'all better do what y'all got to do. And, and I'm just saying, y'all coming off that cheating scandal. So don't, don't, don't fuck around <laughs> and let us beat that ass now. Don't let, don't let it happen. Hey, the series not over. It's one game. You all win the next one. You all in good shape. And I ain't going to lie to you. I was watching the Astros dugout like a motherfucking hawk. Every time they showed that camera, I was pausing. I'm like, if I see anything. <laughs> I think they know better now, friends. But you know, you're right. You got to keep that one open with these guys with both eyes open because you never know what they're doing. Yeah. Now, one key when I was thinking about this game, guys, is Jose Abreu. Now, entering this matchup or entering this game today, we didn't even know if he was going to play. He didn't even travel with the team when they first arrived in Texas because he had an illness, wasn't COVID related. But Jose Abreu just continues to show why he's one of the most important players on this team. He went two for four today, drove in our lone RBI, and I'm telling you, without this guy in the lineup, it would have been even uglier than what it was today. Yeah, he is the leader of the team to me. You know, I know they talk a lot about Tim Anderson being one of the leaders on the squad, but, man, I like Abreu, a vet, knows what he's doing, prayers. And um, you're right, man, got a couple hits today, and that's the guy you root for for sure. So, yeah, I mean, but as we look ahead in this series, as I mentioned, Giolito's going tomorrow. Now, Going any anything after that, we don't know because LaRusso is saying he wants to see how this series plays out before he announces who his game three starter is going to be. Now, we talked on our last episode about Carlos Rodon. We didn't know, hey, is Carlos Rodon going to be able to play in the playoffs? Because he's had those arm troubles. He's had some of the soreness in the arm. Now, Rodon is on the playoff roster, and Dallas Keiko is not. So when you look at that move, Tony LaRusso is either gambling or he just feels very confident that Rodon will be able to give him something, but he's not going to make a decision on that game three starter yet. But he did say that Dylan Cease also is a candidate potentially for that that uh, game three spot. Yeah, I'll start here what you said about Giolito. Uh, it's good to see him out there taking on that game too because um, that guy's been consistent pretty much this year. I think he'll hang in there. Uh, but you had a good point that you talk about Rodon and where he's at, Perez. You're right, that arm, how is it feeling? You know, is it at full strength? You know, uh, that's something we have to see, right? Because I know he's had those injuries, uh, that shoulder injury uh, throughout uh, the last what, month or so. 
But I think, uh, yeah, for him, it's going to be a big key factor. And then you got Cease over there. He's been solid too, man. So, you know, it's going to be a tough decision that uh, Tony Russo got to make. You know, I I say it a lot, but we really are spoiled as sports fans here in Chicago. So to have that kind of problem, uh, Tony LaRussa has. Uh, <laughs> we didn't do that. <laughs> so, uh, but I do, I do agree. Uh, Carlos Rodon is definitely a wild card. And it, and it goes to show, you know, that, you know, if he's being hush-hush about who's starting game three, you know, he may have something up his sleeve in Carlos Rodon. I think so, too. And that's kind of how I was leaning as well, DC. I'm thinking game two, Giolito, game three, Rodon. And you'll probably see game four either be Lynn or Giolito, right? So Tony LaRusso's got something up his sleeve. He's he's keeping that shit real close to his vest. Yeah, he is, though. But you know what? See, he's been solid his last, uh, what, seven games, though, Perez. I mean, the guy been giving up about three runs and been solid. So you never know, right? C's just might get a chance. It depends on how the Rooster feeling. If he's feeling very confident, roll done, he can get back to being himself, you know, being normal and, and pitch a great game. That would be awesome, too. But like like um, DC said, man, that is a tough decision to make for sure. Well, I don't know if it's all that much of a tough decision. I think it's an embarrassment of riches. I think that's what it is. I think you can't go wrong because, like you said, Dylan C's, right. he's, he's a candidate, yeah. But if it were me, I'm going roll down in game three if I'm a Russa, because that guy right there, he showed you so many times over the course of the season, he's got stones. That's what I want yeah. in the playoffs. I want I'm with you there, Perez. I think he's been solid, as I mentioned before, but you're right. Rodon can be dominant. I mean, he can look great. So, yeah, I can see why Tony Russa's pondering, you know, going with him. Yeah, so like I said, like DC's point, wild card. We'll see what yep. happened there. But listen, man, this is only one game. I didn't really have major expectations that we would take this first game. Honestly, I just wanted to see how they were going to play, if they were going to be competitive. What I didn't like is what I saw from Lance Lynn today. But those are struggles that we've seen from him in his career against Houston. So it's one of those things where it was to be expected. Hopefully those bats wake up game two. So I think it's going to be really important to see how that offense looks tomorrow, boys. Yeah, I'm with you there, Perez. Game two can look totally different than game one. Yeah, this is a this is a chess match. You know, that's why they brought in Tony LaRusso. So, you know, you take a team like the Astros that could get hot at any time, but you just carefully make your moves and, and like you said, Perez, play the long game with this one. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, fellas, speaking of the long game, how about those Chicago Sky? They advanced to the WNBA finals. And I'm saying anybody who's gonna tell me that they thought that the Chicago Sky at the beginning of this season we're going to be in the WNBA Finals. You a damn lie. But guess what? They <laughs> shocked the world. Candace Parker came back to her hometown, and she has brought the Sky back to the WNBA Finals, and it's the second time in their franchise history. Fellas, what was your thoughts when you watched that game yesterday and you saw them make that uh, WNBA Finals uh, trek there? Man, I thought that was awesome, Prez to see those girls play like that. I mean, they came out in that game, man, very humble. They came out very defensive-minded. I mean, it came out scoring prayers. They really wanted that game. You can see everyone's demeanor, how hyped they were, man. And when they were playing, they are very aggressive. I mean, the defense, the steals they were getting, it's like this team was on a whole different level, prayers. I think it's one of the best games I've seen them play. Yeah, I agree. I agree, A-Dub. And listen, when you think about leadership that's why Candace Parker is 
Candace Parker. I mean, she is that ultimate leader. I don't know if you guys seen that commercial that's floating around. Derek Rose giving her props in there too, man. Like she, she's a big deal. She's a bona fide Hall of Famer. And that just goes to show in a closeout game, she's doing everything. 17 points, seven assists, nine rebounds. Like she was everywhere yesterday. She sure was. And 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 how about this stat that I saw yesterday? This marks the first time since the WNBA changed this format that a top seed got knocked off and they failed to reach the WNBA finals. Now, y'all think about that. The sky Man. came in as a six seed, guys, and look what they did. They have made noise throughout this playoffs. And Prez, I'm glad you brought that up because the Sun are not a bad team. Matter of fact, they're probably the best team out there um, pretty much in the WNBA, arguably. I mean, Prez, they have like four players on the defensive player list, you know, uh, all WNBA, all defensive player list. And then they also, Prez, they, they have the MVP. Uh, Quail Jones. I mean, she's been awesome all year. So they got everything pretty much you can ask for. So we beat a, a pretty much a juggernaut team, you ask me. Yeah, that's a hell of a tune-up. That's a hell of a tune-up for either the Aces or the Mercury, which I'm very excited about. Because either way, th that series goes, man. I think th we're going to be in for a treat. And WNBA fans across the league should feel very, very happy that the league can get elevated with the level of talent that's about to be on display. Oh, that's a fair point. And, and you know what? Last night's game was dope just to me because one of the things that I've noticed with this team during this playoff run is the balance that they've had on offense, but also a point that um, A-Dub has made a lot through on, on these shows is defensively. I feel like defensively is where this team is basically making their fucking name for themselves. They are locking down on people, but that team aspect of the way that they're moving the ball, Courtney Vandersloot at the point guard position, being a general, pushing the pace. She kept the pressure on that Connecticut Sun defense throughout that series, and she's one of the biggest reasons that they made it. I know a lot of people talk about Khalil Copper's 26 points in game three. I thought that was huge, but if you look at the overall series, I'm looking at two people, and that's Candace Parker, Courtney Vandersloot. They led the way for this team. Yeah, those are two you can definitely pinpoint right there, Perez, leading the way. But, man, you're right. They've been passing that ball very well. And a lot of times I look at this team here, I look at their IQ. These ladies together collectively, they make good decisions with the ball, Perez. I know sometimes they may overpass sometimes to where it may lead to a turnover. But overall, man, they make good passes to each other, and they make good decisions. And defense is all about – taking on the challenge of stopping the opposition, stopping who's in front of you. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's something that I feel like this team collectively decided, you know, we're just going to lock in. Like that's our goal. That's our mission. Um, Candace Parker, like I said, you know, I, I can't sing her praises enough, man. She's been there before. And to come here and be a team that, you know, previously – had a, a, a record of 500 or below. You know, I saw that stat scroll, scroll across the screen last night. And then the following season, make it to the to the finals. Man, that's, that's very impressive. Yeah, great point, DC, because let's just be honest. When Candace Parker was out this season, this was a total different ball club, right? We talked about the difference between when her on the court and when she's not there in the court. And I'm telling you, she brought that championship DNA to this team, and they are playing their best ball at the right motherfucking time, boys.
Yeah, Perez, you're right. They're playing the best ball at the right time. But one thing you brought up earlier, Perez, that really makes sense, though, is when they went through that lineup change, you know, with bringing Stevens in. Because I think, you know, with her in that lineup, she also bring a different element. And I know, DC, you went heavy on this part of it. We talked about the others, man, how well they've been impactful, mm-hmm. like Perez is saying, you know. So all that kind of make up this team. They're balanced, like Perez said, and they all execute together. So they are a very good team here. And let's just be honest here. Candace Parker's done what a lot of these hometown players haven't been able to do, and that's to put her team in position to win a championship. D-Wade didn't do it. Isaiah didn't do it. <laughs> Derrick Rose didn't get a chance to do it, you know. But just think about that. She might bring that ship to Chicago as a hometown kid. And listen, audience, we know she's from Naperville. I get it. But in my mind, she's from the crib. So whatever. Yeah. Salute to Candace Parker. Hey, hey, I'm going to tell y'all like this. There's some fine women that come out of Naperville. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Don't start nothing, DC. Don't start nothing, man. <laughs> Six five stars in my book, brothers. <laughs> my man. Also, okay, now let's look ahead here. So the Chicago Sky now are waiting on the Phoenix Mercury or the Las Vegas Aces. When I look at these two teams... I think about the Mercury. That team is fucking loaded. We talked about that, but so are the Aces. So do you guys have a preference in the next matchup, potentially? I don't have a preference because both of those teams are good from a matchup standpoint. So they're going to bring their best. We're going to bring our best. So for me, Perez, it doesn't make a difference because they all playing championship um, basketball right now. Yeah, I think, you know, as the cliche goes, styles make fights. I think if we match up with Phoenix, it's going to be a lot like looking in the mirror. Yes. Uh, Vegas is going to bring a different element that would have to uh, see us step it up a notch. And I would I would much rather see a Vegas-Chicago matchup because I want to see what next level this team has. You know what I mean? And I, I feel like Phoenix is going to – I mean, man, but that could be tough too. So either way, like I said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I liked where you were going with that because when I was t- t- taking a look at this too, that Mercury team is like the split image of who we are. Yeah. I think that Aces team, and I mean, think about it, they got They got Liz Cambage. <laughs> She's a load down there. So I don't know. When I think about it, I, I look at that matchup as being one. I would love to see her and Candace go head up. Yeah. That'll be nice too, but you know, uh, Diana Taurasi, I would love to see her and Venice go at it. So, I mean, you're right, bro. So many good matchups in both series. So, I would love to see both of them happen, really. Yeah, I can imagine her and Courtney out there just going neck and neck, just you know, like man, it's <laughs> gonna be intense, bros. It's gonna be intense. Well, I'll tell you one thing, I can't wait for that series, and it gives our ladies some time to rest, get ready. But I'm telling you, that balanced attack. The substitutions that Coach Wade has done and he continues to do, that defense, Courtney Vandestoo pushing the pace, uh, Kalia Copper being a great number two to Candace Parker offensively. I mean, there's so much to rave about with this team, guys, so much. Yeah, it is, Perez. And you know what? I like the fact when they play defense, man, this team runs. I mean, they get down the court, Perez. They make good passes that you talked about. So, I mean, you write so much you can say good about this guy team. 
And a shout out to the fans of Chicago. Thank you for coming out. Because I, I noticed just over the last few weeks, just the, the attendance, the, the energy in that building improving greatly. Even the Bulls pulled up at a game. You know, like that. I, that's what I like to see. You got to support it because, you know, me and A-Dub were saying that we went to a game during the season and we're like, why are more people supporting this team? They're a really good team. They put out a good product out there, and it's a fun experience. I'm not going to lie to you. It's really fun going to Wintrust. My only issue was the parking situation. Like, <laughs> right, but, you're right, that parking situation. But overall, the game experience was awesome. I mean, salute the chance to rap. Salute to Scotty Pippen, man. Good to see those guys come there and, do, and show some love and some support to those ladies. Man, Chance always pulling up, man. I do right there. He is – when you think of the shy, Chance is the shy. He supports everybody, dude. Everybody. That's facts right there. Sir. All right, man. Well, audience, we are looking forward to this matchup, the WNBA. We got so much fucking excited shit going on in this city right now. The Chicago White Sox, even though they didn't win today, but they still in the playoffs. We got the Chicago Sky one step closer to getting that championship. And the Chicago Bears, they beat the Lions. And guess what, fellas? The Detroit Lions is like Robitussin, dude. They just come into your life at the right time. Because that's all that was, man. We needed that Robitussin, and they gave that shit to us in a double dose. Fellas, talk <laughs> to them. Yeah, man. Salute to the Bears. I mean, you know, Justin Fields, the guy, man, prayers. And um, I mean, he was a joy to watch. I know everyone. And that kid shows a hell of a lot. So uh, I'm, I'm salute to him, man. Yeah, man, I, I can't tell you, dude, like, Prez, you hit the nail on the head, man. That was the antidote right there. <laughs> Detroit Lions is exactly what this team needed. And, I mean, I know we're about to touch on this, but, man, 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 Justin Fields further cemented the reasoning for him being the face of the Chicago Bears moving forward. Yeah, I mean – at that after at that point, what we saw in that game, and we still haven't even seen the best of what this kid can do. He's only scratching the surface of his potential. But from the glimpses that we saw in that game, I like it, brother. I like it a lot. Yeah, and what was important to me, Perez, was just seeing after the game the respect, the love he got from defensive players, how they uh -huh. all were coming up uh -huh. and giving him dab. I mean, it was even good to see Andy Dalton look up to him and show him some love. You know, it's just that whole you know aura of people around him, like, hey. I think we got us one here. He got his first one in the bag to win. I think we're going to take off from here if it's seen him continue to make progression. Look, Andy Dalton walked up to that man after the game and said, you got the juice now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Sure did. But to the point the D.C. made, Matt Nagy made the call, right? He said, Justin Fields, QB1 going forward. Now, A-Dub, I teased this yesterday on our DBE preview pod. What changed – because a couple of days ago, Nagy was still on that bullshit talking about Dalton was his guy once healthy. So you know someone in ownership or Ryan Pace had to go say a visit to Matthew and say, bro, I know you want Dalton to be out there, but we can't have this revolt. These fans will be picketing fucking Hallis Hall. You got to keep the kid out there. I mean, right? Do, do, I mean, what changed? Do, I mean, what do you guys think there? I think it's more of the risk, Chris. Now, what I mean by risk is, okay, you put Andy Dalton out there and you lose, right? That's 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 crazy, right? I mean, people were like, wow, the kids should have played. You should have put Justin Fields out there. Maybe we had a better chance. So if Justin Fields loses, it's like, hey, the kid is still learning, still growing. But if Andy Dalton loses, Chris, all hell may break loose. 
Yeah, I feel like the Bears were headed towards a cliff. And that would have been a very steep cliff for Nagy to continue to stick his head out there uh, in favor of Andy Dalton. And let's just, you know, hypothetically say, you know, yeah, he goes with Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton comes back, wins a couple games, loses a couple games. The the anticipation for Justin Fields, let's just say over the next month, month and a half, the fans would just be on the edge of the seat, like like impatient, calling for Nagy's job more, more, more. You know what I mean? Like it, he didn't want to, he didn't want that smoke. That's all I'm gonna say. He did not want that smoke. Now I will. I want to get you guys' thoughts on this. This is something that I was thinking about today when I was driving around. I wonder if Nagy was trying to buy himself another season. I wonder if that's why he was so gun-ho on wanting to keep Dalton out there. I just wonder, because that could have been a built-in excuse for him. That's something I was thinking about today. I don't know I don't know if that's the case. I'm just trying to try to figure out what changed because all of a sudden, this man makes that decision. That was a three, that was a whole 360 from what he was talking about. <laughs> it sure was, Perez. And you made a good point there, Perez. So I'm thinking like now that, hey, maybe you want to show us, the fans, that, hey, you know what? I can work with this kid and I can help develop this kid, right? To show it in action so the fans can see. So if Justin Fields is doing great out there, Perez is showing things, it's like, hey, maybe I bought another chance, like you're saying, to be here again next season. Yeah, sometimes you just have to flip the coin and, and look at it. You know, Matt Nagy can't lose with Justin Fields uh, as QB1 in the sense that you now have an opportunity, like you said, Chris, to take on that challenge of, of developing this guy and, and like really attaching your legacy to his mm-hmm. you know, right. down the road. You know what I mean? Because if you go down with Andy Dalton, is anybody going to really give Matt Nagy <laughs> next year? I, I don't think so either. But, uh, Not but when you got Justin Fields right there. No. But the one thing that when I look at this, Justin Fields has a huge opportunity in front of him to rewrite the quarterback narrative here in Chicago. I'm not going to retrace the history, but anybody that listens to this show that's a fan of the Chicago Bears, you know what it is. You know what we've gone through. This has been an abusive relationship with, with us and quarterbacks. And Justin Fields, which I don't envy him because he's in a situation. Can you imagine the pressure that he's under? He has to face that ugly history of of quarterbacks here in Chicago. If he succeeds, he's going to be a fucking king here. If he fails, he'll just be another quarterback that didn't make it through. And I don't think he's going to fail. But just think about the pressure that this kid's under right now. Yeah, under a lot of pressure, though. But you know what? I think, like you said, coach is in a lot of pressure, too. So, He's already, you know, calls the kid to be in a tough when we talked about that tough game he played, the part that felt a lot of that felt on Nagy. So it's like everyone's trying to, you know, um, right the wrong here. So I think if the kid can play very well for us throughout this season, I mean, that's a plus for Nagy in a way, right? Well, I'm referring to his legacy. I'm talking about Justin Fields' legacy. Fuck Nagy. Nagy's not going to be here <laughs> for Justin Fields five, ten years down the road. I'm talking about the legacy as a quarterback in the city of Chicago. We're still talking about Jim McMahon in this city. I'm talking about that. True. So when I'm talking about the pressure that Justin Fields under, this ain't about this season. This is about his career. You saw what they did to Mitch. They chewed him up and spit him out. You saw what yeah. they did to Cutler. Yep. That's my point. I got you, brother. You right on, man, because you're right. That is some – hey, look, this town has been looking for a quarterback forever. 
and you're right, that's a whole hell of a lot of pressure because you got to come in, think about the guys before you who didn't turn out well. So, yeah, that's a lot of pressure. Pressure really is, man. And I'm hoping the kid can stay healthy in general and, and, and show us that, hey, he can help. Yeah, much like Bears, these Chicago fans, we are ferocious when it comes to our sports, especially when it comes to quarterback play. And in this city, we have been starving for <laughs> great dynamic quarterback, especially a young one. It's not like he's Russell Wilson or something already had a success and coming through Chicago, you know, like we see athletes do on in, in other sports. But this man is an opportunity to be a homegrown superstar. Uh, we got to take it easy and just appreciate the moment, appreciate what we have and give this man a chance to shine. Yeah, but you know what, DC, easier said to done. You know this fan base. You've been on Bears Twitter. These folks are crazy. So I think that people have to sometimes realize that this kid is a rookie. He's played in two and a half games. So I think it's going to be very important to make sure that Bill Lazor is keeping it at the top of his mind and say, you know what, we're going to keep this game plan simple for you, but we're going to put you in positions to make plays. So A-Dub and I talk about this all the time. Running the football takes the pressure off the kid moving him out of the pocket, letting him do things that he's comfortable with doing, shrinking the field in half so he's only making one or two reads, getting the ball out quick, because we know about that offensive line. I don't have to retrace that part. But we got to do things to make sure that this kid's playing with confidence because you see what this kid can do when he's playing with confidence because we saw the flip side of that against Cleveland. I don't want to see that Justin Fields going forward. Yeah, that, you're right, right there, Perez. Um, you know, we definitely want to make sure this kid continues to grow and develop. But I think – the pressure that you mentioned as well, and also us as fans expecting the guy to do well every game, right? I think there's still some growth there, right? You got to grow over time frame. And I think you hit a good point with putting them in positions to where you can continue to thrive. Now, fellas, I got another question for you guys. When we look ahead to Sunday's matchup against the Raiders, we know that David Montgomery is going to be out for the next four to five weeks. Tough blow. But we actually, and this is going to sound weird for me to say this, we actually were lucky. Because when I saw the replay of that, when I got home from the game, I thought that man tore his ACL, bro. I'm not going to lie to you. The way that he was around on that ground, clutching his knee in pain, it didn't look good. So the fact that it was a, what is it, a hyperextension of that knee, we caught a break. Now, looking at this matchup, though, what do you guys expect on offense from the Bears on Sunday with no David Montgomery? Because now you got Damian Williams and Khalil Herbert that are going to be coming in at that running back spot. Yeah, what I'm expecting, Fred, in the way is that um, I'm looking to see us in the passing game, man. I really like to see Justin Fields uh, lead the way here. And um, I know our wide receivers were probably thrilled about last week, but I'm quite sure A-Rob and Mooney are a little bit hungry for this next game, Fred. So I think for me, you know, if they can get that going, that passing game going, man, that can be a continued game changer. Oh, yeah. That's, that's exactly how I feel, too. I mean, I feel like we're going to air it out. You have to, you have to get more targets – to uh to Allen Robinson, man. You gotta you gotta get that man uh acclimated a little bit more in the offense. And then just don't put so much pressure on the running game now, knowing that that David Montgomery is gonna be out. I I personally feel like, you know, we should just have a healthy mix, but definitely tend to 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 air it out a little bit more. Yeah, no, I mean to to the point that A dub meant with giving um Justin feels that opportunity to connect with those receivers. I'm just going just gonna to say it, guys. I hadn't seen A-Rod that animated all season. 
A Rob was back to flexing after first downs again. He looked engaged early on in the season. I feel like A Rob didn't want to be out there. I feel like he had somewhere else to be. <laughs> yeah, it's all with you there, man. Those first couple games was like it was a headache for him. Like, wow, I can't believe we're playing like this, you know, um, and not getting a fair chance, right, uh, to be successful as a receiving core. So you're right, man. He wasn't feeling that. And um, now with this game, last game, it was like, yes, welcome back. We back, baby. Let's go, Mooney. Let's go, hey, Rob. We here. And listen, that was only three catches. That's not A-Rob's normal load of, of catches and yards, but you could tell that he's like, all right, I feel like it's coming. We're starting to heat up. And, right. you, and your boy Darnell Mooney, he showed his ass last week. So my thing is, to your point, I think it would be great if they can open up and take shots on that Raiders defense because we talked about it briefly. That Raiders defense, they're ass. So that's a big opportunity for Darnell Mooney to get open deep and shift. Even uh, Marquise Goodwin. So we have an opportunity. No, I'm glad you brought Marquise Goodwin, man. You know, I think that's another element right there, Perez, that we haven't utilized much at all this season. So it would be good to see Goodwin have a good game, you know. But the other thing you brought up, Perez, that I thought was very interesting that you've been talking about and wanting to see more of, and you talked about this on DBS Live, man, the past couple episodes, and that's around our tight ends. This could be a game where we see um, Justin Fields do some bootlegging, a lot more of that rolling out, Perez, and probably make some good passes to the tight end on that. A-Dub, I would die a happy man if I see us start to target those damn tight ends. I am telling <laughs> you, because I feel like they forgot who the tight ends were in this offense. And this is the thing. I was looking at some film, and I was looking at that Raiders-Chargers game. I think this might be a Jimmy Graham game. You guys heard it right. first. I yep. want all the smoke. Okay. This is going to be a Jimmy Graham game, fellas. Reds, I'm writing that down. <laughs> I'm writing that down. Jimmy Graham. It was written. I think that's a great prediction right there. I mean, that's that's kind of what's been missing. That's you know, like that's the the secret ingredient right there. I feel like that we need to start adding to this this pot of chili, if you will, man. Like, like the what the Bears are getting ready to do in terms of just just this this Sunday against the Raiders, man. Like I I feel like we can really make a statement to say, hey, this is not a uh, uh, take it easy, pace Justin Fields along type of season. Like, I feel like we have a legit shot, man. I, I feel like this year, like the Bears, the Bears could really make some noise in the NFC this year. I, I mean, call me crazy, but I feel like it, it could be one of those years. Okay, well, I'll just say this. A-Dub's got to win an 11 games, so I feel like you and him are right there with each other. So, you know. I don't know, A-Dub, when, when A-Dub said that, I cringed and made an ugly face. I was like, A-Dub wins. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 listen. <laughs> but I could, I could see in that, in that range somewhere around there. Well, listen, I was going to say this to both of y'all. <laughs> I hope it happens. I really, really do. But Sunday's going to tell us the story because we got a tough stretch, and we talked about this on DB. We got a tough stretch of games coming yeah. up. And no David Montgomery. So, fellas, that's the part right there. When I look at this Bears team, I said, you can't replace a David Montgomery. You just can't. And Damian Williams, he's not a bad player. But David Montgomery's David Montgomery, boys. That's true. And David Montgomery been cooking this year, Perez. I mean, he cooked oh. last year, right, when he got yep. the chance. But yep. you're right. This year he got to a pretty good start. So, I mean, that's a big, I mean, a big missing piece here. But if you look at the, look at the next two games after the Raiders, we got the Packers oh and we got Tampa Bay. Oh boy! 
We, I mean, Justin Fields is going to get a quarterback education 101 live. <laughs> so I feel like with David Montgomery being down, it, it may not be that bad because, you know, fans, we want to see gunslingers out there. You know what I mean? So I feel like Justin Fields is going to do his best to, to you know, like just, just get that get that yardage against Aaron Rodgers, against Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like, we this Sunday would be a great start just like I said, air it out against the Raiders. Well, I'll tell you one thing, uh, DC, that's an incredible point because those are two GOAT quarterbacks in this league. That's going to be a tough matchup for our defense. However, I think that'll be an incredible challenge for Justin Fields. And if we know anything about him, you know he ain't going to duck a challenge. No, you're right, Frazier. He's not going to duck a challenge. But if one thing you all definitely were hitting it is the fact that with Justin Fields – Going against Aaron Rodgers, is that not humbling? Is that not motivation itself? You know, if you Justin Fields going against Brady, is that not humbling? Going against that guy's like, look, I want to bring my A game, you know, because I know who I'm going against. You know how I go, Perez. There are some people you wake up that want to play against. And these are two quarterbacks you want to play against. That's an incredible point. But I would think with Justin Fields being the competitor that he is, I think he'd probably want to kill everybody. But I think to the <laughs> point that you're making, it's another it's levels to this, right? So right. He, he's gonna take that shit to the next level. Yes, sir. Yeah, the spotlight is definitely going to be on it on this young man for the next for the next few for few weeks, especially because again, Vegas, you got Rodgers, you got Brady, and the national media. And I and the thing that I, I love to see is when ESPN and these other outlets really start picking up steam on on what we're talking about here in Chicago sports. Because you know, Chicago is always an afterthought to the national media. But when they really start, you know, like, oh, yeah, Justin Fields, he is something special. When they start taking notice, oh, man, we we really cooking with gas now. Oh, I, I feel you on that, brother. Well, speaking of cooking with gas, how about those Chicago Bulls? That preseason opener, they gave Cleveland everything they could handle, fellas. And I'm telling you, I was just sitting there with a big-ass smile on my face because all of the things that we've been talking about with this team so far on this show, we saw it come together in a nice pot. It's like that that pot of uh, uh, D.C.'s jambalaya that he was talking about last week. That's what we saw out there yesterday. <laughs> man, 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 let me tell you, it got spicy on that basketball court. <laughs> it got spicy. <laughs> no, y'all know, diehard Bulls is in my blood, man. If I fell and scraped my knee when I was a kid, you going to hear the sound. <laughs> <laughs> when I was watching that intro, and just to hear DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo Ball. Man, I got to give props to my man Javante Green coming out there. And yes. I know it's preseason. I know it's preseason. But, man, did they give us a glimpse of a bright future. Man, DC, I'm just, I'm just a vision. I'm just seeing a big-ass smile on your face when you're speaking, brother. I love it. He's over there lighting <laughs> up. Man, like a Christmas tree, I'm telling you, man. It's, <laughs> it's a long time coming. It's long overdue. Yeah, man. Good point you bring up there, D.C. But I will say this, Perez. When I saw that game, man, it looked more like a regular season game, the way the Bulls was playing. It was <laughs> like, hey, we ready to play. We ready to play basketball. Whether Cleveland ready or not, we are, you know. It's like these guys really want to play together. I mean, DeRozan want to play with these guys. I mean, Lonzo Ball wants to show that, hey, look, I can play defense. I know we've been talking about my defense already, about me leading the way. I want to show it right on the court, you know. And these guys showed the IQ, the defense, and the way they can move that ball together. 
You know the thing that really impressed me with that game yesterday? The passing. That was something with last year's team that was not there. And I'm not even just talking about Lonzo, because Lonzo's Lonzo. He was out there pushing the pace and getting passes out there. But I'm talking about Caruso. Look at the way DeMar DeRozan was moving that ball. They were whipping that ball around the court, getting people open shots. That is something that I'm really excited to see with this Billy Donovan offense. This is going to be really exciting for us this season. The sky's definitely the limit. There's no way I see this team not making the playoffs this year. I felt like Troy Brown Jr. was in a three-point shooting contest or something. Because every time <laughs> I turned around, Alex Caruso was whipping that thing over to him. Like yep. you said, Rosen, like, like this man was open for so many corner threes. I'm just like, this, this is incredible. But if you look at it, too, these guys have worked on their game. I got one of my one of my closest friends, man, longtime Lakers fan. So he's got the scoop on Alex Caruso, right? He's watched a lot of his games. He had to admit, like, hey, Alex Caruso was not that good of a playmaker last few years. But you came out there, he dropped 10 and 10, man. Dropped 10 dimes like it was a dollar. Shout out to Alex Caruso. <laughs> well, yeah. I got I to push back on your buddy, man, because – he a Laker fan, and he didn't think that he was a playmaker. Caruso did show you some of that in his game last season. He just didn't get a lot of minutes. Right. But I got to push back on him, but what, what, what are you going to say? <laughs> so I was just saying, like, I think so, too. I personally think, so, like, playing with LeBron took Alex Caruso's game up mm-hmm. tremendously. And, and, and my buddy will admit that, too. I just feel like when you when you step on the court and you look around and you got decorated athletes all around you you got a champion caruso you got uh, a 13 year year all-star like level vet in DeRozan. i i know we we get on thad a lot you know like man thad what thad brought to the team was great and all but DeRozan was still getting 20 a game last season 13 yes. years into the game like he's he still led his his team you know what I mean? And we implement that with with Zoe and and then you bring out you, you bring guys in that's just hungry, the Alize Johnsons, the, the Matt Thomas. We're just dropping threes, man. Like I, we got we got a nice little pot of jambalaya brewing, man, and it's spicy. Now, okay, DC, I gotta say something about that. Alize Johnson on the boards, bro. He was a beast out there on the boards, man. I thank the Lord that the Nets dropped him. He's definitely making this fucking team, bro. Man, you're right about that, Perez. These guys are were humble, man. They came out and played their game. And that's what you got to give Coach Billy Donovan a lot of credit for because he didn't let these guys do anything they weren't comfortable doing. I mean, everyone played their game. You even look at the shot selections, right? Look at these guys, the IQ I'm talking about there. They were actually taking shots that they actually can make, actually make you know? Um, I saw DeRozan coming up, pulling up with a jump shot. You're right. Other guys out there taking threes. And then guys are playing defense and what they do. So it's like, man, this team is actually playing like a team. And that's and very important. It's just game one of the preseason. So that just – that says it all right there. If these guys from day one, they didn't come out sloppy. That's usually what you see in a lot of preseason games, guys coming out right. sloppy, going as hard. They came out just full blast, like shot out of a cannon, like let's go. <laughs> yes, yeah, I mean, did. and to the point that you were making earlier about Caruso, it seemed like him and Lonzo Ball, what they're going to bring to this season is just unselfish play. Because they both are looking to get other people involved more so than themselves. And I'm telling you, we've said it so many times on this show. But, brothers, 
DeRozan, Levine, and Vooch will all benefit from that. And speaking of Vooch, he was the most impressive player on the court to me yesterday. And if this is the Vooch that we're going to see this season, <laughs> oh, my goodness, the UC is going to be going up. Yes, it is. And I like Vooch's shot selection, Prez. I mean, he was taking that mid-range shot with confidence. He will step out and take the three if it's there, you know. It's just the fact that, again, that IQ, that mindset, man, of saying, look, I'm playing with these guys. I don't have to force anything. I'm playing with them. And Zach Levine was the same way. We're playing together. I don't have to force shots. It was an easy 25 for Zach. I'm like, yeah. not 14, easy, efficient. And then Vooch, I'm looking at – I'm like, is this Nikola Vucevic or Nikola <laughs> – Right, right. right. Like, man, he knew exactly where he needed to be. And then, you know, if he had a mismatch on him, you throw it to him in the post. He knew exactly what to do with it. This team is meshing together really nicely. What was what Shaq always say about those mismatches in the post? Barbecue chicken down there. That was all day. <laughs> <laughs> all day. Like friends say, all day, baby. With mild sauce on it. Talk <laughs> that talk. But listen. Listeners, I know you guys are going to be saying, like, guys, relax. You guys getting all lathered up over game one in the preseason. Okay, I, I feel you. Also, it's the Cleveland Cavaliers. I feel you. But at the same time, let us live. Because we've been waiting a long time for this Bulls team to be relevant. We deserve this. We earned it. And I'm going to sit back and enjoy this. And I can't wait, fellas, till we go to a game this year. I cannot wait. Because the UC is going to be going up. The white jerseys was looking good. I love those white jerseys. By the, I love those white jerseys, by the way. Love them. Yes, sir. Yeah. So I'm yes, to put white, the white home uniforms back in rotation. Last year, it got kind of weird with multicolored jerseys on the court. You know, yeah. one team wearing black, one team wearing – like, this, this is a little weird. Home whites, I'm, I'm old school, but, you know. There ain't nothing wrong with that, D.C. <laughs> Did you guys see that the Wiener Circle – in Wrigleyville, they're promising a free hot dog day promotion if the Bulls don't make the playoffs. And that's how confident they are that the Bulls are going to make the playoffs because you know they ain't going to try to give away all that damn money. <laughs> right about that, friends. They are confident, man. This team is good. And shout out to them. <laughs> i tell you one thing, though. If the, if the Bulls do miss the playoffs, you don't want to go in there getting that free hot dog because they're going to clown the shit out your ass, too, in the process. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's going No, no, I, I would never. <laughs> never. <laughs> but, no, the winning circle, I think that's a cool promotion. And that's just another way for them to stay relevant, and I think that that was awesome. They had that reality show that was on uh, True TV for a while there, and that shit was so funny. Them women in there, boy, they will come for you. So, listeners, if the Bulls don't make the playoffs, don't go get in that free hot dog. Just don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Please don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, audience, final segment time. If this city could talk. And mine's going to go out to Chicago because we are the best city in the world for the fifth straight year. So there's a traveler report that goes out, and Chicago was rated as the best city to visit. We know this city's beautiful. We got the best skyline in the world, the best people when we act like we got some damn sense. But if this city could talk, it would say, this city is a world-class destination. We got some of the best nightlife, the best restaurants, the best football team. We got it all. So Chicagoans, remember who you are. Remember where you represent. We're the best city in the world. 
If this city could talk, know your worth. Salute to that. If this city can talk, it will say salute to the eggs, run, and walk that happened in Chicago at Soldier Field. Everybody, and hey, it's, it's okay for us to make sure we bring awareness to that and continue to donate to things of that nature. So salute to that organization for having it there. And um, hey, everyone who actually came out to support that, fantastic. And my, if this city could talk, would simply just be, if you're an athlete, young athlete, especially in Chicago or around Chicago, take a look at what our homegrown Candace Parker has just done. I know Prez alluded to it earlier in this episode, but she's the first of many to come through this city and lead a team all the way to the finals and potentially to a championship. So salute to Candace, but salute to you. Cause if you are aspiring athlete, this goes to show that anything is possible. If you stay focused, work hard and, you know, put, put your best foot forward, put your city on your shoulders and carry them proudly because, you know, we are a city of big shoulders. So. Yes, sir. Salute. And DC, I thought you was going to hit me with one of them KGs, anything is possible. I thought you was going to hit me with one. <laughs> no, Man. Not, so, so, nah, not this episode. We'll, I'll, I'll save that for uh, for championship number Siete. When the Bulls do that, I'm going to be the first person out there <laughs> yelling anything is possible. I love it. I can't wait, brother. I can't wait. Well, audience, there you have it. We got a lot to be thankful for here in this city. We love this city, the best city in the world with the best teams in the world. Fellas, I enjoyed chopping it up with y'all. Y'all made me feel better about that Sox game. Listeners, as always, this podcast is brought to you by Crave It. Please join us on our exclusive community at Chicago Versus. It's available on Apple and Android applications. We're the Chicago State of Mind podcast. Thanks for listening, and we are out. teammates the one thing about michael jordan was he never asked me to do something that he didn't fucking do i'm only doing it because it is who i am that's how i played the game that was my mentality if you don't want to play that way don't play that way